Church, we'd love to give you a special welcome. If you are here, we would love to uh, offer you one of our guest bags. So if you would like to pick one of those up, then you um, please do so after the gathering this morning. There's one on the right-hand side for you as you exit the building. There's a few bags there. We'd love you to pick a bag up and help yourself to the coffee card in there. Enjoy a coffee or a hot chocolate if you prefer. And also we'd love it if you'd like to give us your details and we'd love to be in touch with you during the week also. So church, how about you welcome our guests this morning. Pray you enjoy this morning with us. It's fantastic to gather together at 9 a.m., isn't it, church? Well, how about we celebrate some birthdays and anniversaries? Time for chocolate. Has anyone had a birthday or anniversary in this past week? 
would you like to come and join me down here? Awesome. Happy birthday. Is it birthday, Caleb? Happy birthday. Fantastic. Has anyone else had a birthday, a wedding anniversary? No. Oh, man, maybe I should join you and have a chocolate too. <laughs> well, church, how about we stand together and we're going to pray for this fine young man. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Happy birthday. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, a couple of things to uh, highlight your attention to this morning. We've got Wednesday night gathering happening this coming Wednesday. Now, uh, soon as you're here this morning, you probably it's probably not for you. But the reason that we are doing a Wednesday night gathering is for those that really struggle to get uh, to church on a Sunday. So we are trialling a Wednesday gathering, a Wednesday night. So, so uh, if that's you, you think, wow, it's, it's really tough. Or for others that you know, you may know people that are not currently attending any church because it's tough to get there on a Sunday, then Wednesday night is for them. So we're doing this for two months trial and let's see how it goes. So kicking off this Wednesday night. So if you're not there, please pray because God will be here and I'm going to be here too Wednesday night. So that's going to be fantastic. Well, we've got Girls' Day Out coming up too, ladies. So I cannot let you go without highlighting this to you. It's only one more week to register. Katie, where are you? How about you come running up? (laughs) Give Katie Mills a hand. Katie Mills. She is a key, 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 key part in, in Girls' Day Out happening and being amazing for all of our all of you beautiful ladies. So Katie is going to share some testimonies with us from ladies from last year's Girls' Day Out. Great day, great speaker, been great catching up with people and spending a day out with a focus on God and people. Great attention to detail, always leave feeling encouraged. I can see by how treasured and loved your ladies are, how much you value people. The excellence and sophistication of everything is world-class. Favourite things. The speakers and being able to take notes to refer to after the event. Amazing food and great company. Meeting new people and making connections. This person's favourite things. Insight and wisdom from the speakers. Delicious food and time to meet new people and chat with friends. Uh, Teaching is fun. is all mixed in for an enjoyable day. Great balance between worship, spiritual input, and frivolity. Plenty of practical application for Christian living and wonderful food. Love the decorations and atmosphere. I'm an invited guest and I've enjoyed the day. I admire the enthusiasm and positivity. I feel that the whole day has been beneficial to every woman. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, isn't that cool? Great, so at the end of the day, we ask everyone to write on a feedback form 
without putting their name. So we don't know who those people were that wrote down last year. But isn't that great? And it's so cool to hear even that ones that were invited by their friends that they were like, yeah, thank you, thank you, and loved the day. So invite your friends. Gather your girlfriends one more week to register. Our theme is She's Courageous, and I'm incredibly excited and expectant about what God is going to do in the lives of a woman. Please, please pray, because this is going to be a significant day in the lives of our women. Also, Activate groups are all up and running. Isn't that cool? So if you're not in an Activate group, then please check them out. We've got some booklets in the foyer that you can pick up. They're all listed in there, the small groups. So check some out. If you need help with getting into a group that's suited for you, then please let us know and we will endeavour to help you out with that. Rachel Davis, are you here, Rachel? No, Rachel's not here. Anyway, she was passionate to share with us today about a Monday night, Sunday, what is it, a Sunday, Monday gathering or something? Is it up there? I don't know if it's up there, but any mums, there's a Sunday, Monday gathering, something like that. I might have it slightly wrong. But the thing is, is that they're going to eat some, oh, this flyers. Did you get a flyer at the door? There's ice cream. I think it's free. Here it is, Mum's Sunday Monday. So if you're a mum, why would you want to miss this? Monday night, get along to Mum's Sunday Monday. I love ice cream. Sunday Monday, there you go. <laughs> Bit of a, a, a play, on, play on words there. <laughs> it's going to be a great night for all the mums. Okay, Richard Carter. He is going to read a psalm for us this morning. So how about you give Richard a hand as he comes. We're reading this morning from Psalm 41. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Oh, Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they were my friends, but all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. He has some fatal disease, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again so I can pay them back. I know you are pleased with me, for you have not let my enemies triumph over me. You have preserved my life because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen.
And it's great how God is okay with us pouring our heart to Him. But don't forget there's real power in declaring His praise in all circumstances. So let us just ponder on His Word for a moment. stand together as we continue to worship. Father God, I thank you for your protection. Thank you that you are our shelter. And I thank you that we are never alone. Thank you, Father.
Bible says, lift up holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. Lift up holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. Why don't this morning for a couple of minutes we lift up holy hands and why don't we praise? Why don't we pray? Why don't we give Him thanks? I don't know what's going on in your world, but there's always something to give thanks for. This morning, can I encourage you to lift holy hands as an instruction of Scripture? It's not a good idea, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, beside the point. Come on, let's lift up holy hands in this place. We worship you this morning, Jesus. Father, I thank you for life. I thank you for every good thing of life. I thank you for our friends. I thank you for family. I thank you for this wonderful country that you've placed us in. I thank you for the ability to be able to come this morning and lift holy hands before you and give thanks for the incredible God you are, for the mighty God that you are. Father, it's our honour and our privilege to lift our city to you this morning and every person in it. Lord, intervene in people's lives. In Hamilton, I pray. Intervene. Father, let them realize that the smile of God is on their situation. Intervene in their world, I pray, that everyone would come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. I can see some of you getting tired, so put your arms down and shake them. Get some blood back in the fingers and then lift them back up again. Come on. It's a a command of Scripture. Lift up holy hands, it says. Lift up holy hands. Come on, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you in this place. A little bit of pain in the arms won't hurt us as we follow your will, your command to us to lift holy hands and have a conversation with you. I pray that this morning, Lord, every person would hear from you. I pray that as we leave this place, that you would be our conversation. I pray that as we leave this place, we would take the hope of the world into Hamilton with us. And I pray that over these next few minutes, as we sit around your word, that you would give us the ability to open our hearts, to open our spiritual eyes and ears. And Lord, I ask that this would be a place of revelation, that this would be a place where we hear from you, that this will be a place where we go deeper into relationship with you this morning, that somewhere, somehow, something will click that will allow us to walk more confidently in you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you say hello to a couple of people around you as you grab a seat. Thank you. Wonderful music team. Beautiful having the flute, Nicole. Lovely. Well, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Morning. Three people said good morning back. Four people even got a wave. How's that? Four Things are looking up today. Two waves. Three waves. Good morning. Five waves. Let's all wave. Beautiful. Thank you. It's been a great week. It's been a big week for me. I've toured all the Activate churches with Steve McCracken. And uh, I can report to you that God is doing good things in all Activate churches. And one of the things that thrills my heart personally 
because it's what I believe God's called us to is although we all run with the same vision, the same values and everything else, every Activate Church you go into expresses the love of God slightly differently. Every Activate Your Church you go into is uh, celebrating, expressing God in a way that suits the community they're in. And uh, it was good. It's been a great week. It's been a challenging week, but a very good week. Very good week. Hey, I just want to show you this quickly. This will make Pastor Rex very, very happy. This is called the Hope Project. Good brownie points, Rex. Brownie points. Yeah, I thought so. This called, look. This this is going to um, this little booklet's going to end up in everyone's letterbox, like everybody's letterbox. Um, I think the week before Easter. And you probably will remember you've had two other books come to your mailbox over the last year. And this is the last one in the series. And why I'm showing you it is because this could well open a spiritual conversation for you with your neighbours because it's going to end up in their letterbox. And it's a great, um, it's a great little booklet and it's encouraging people to think about faith and it's going to come out just before Christmas. This booklet... Uh, sorry, Easter. I knew what I meant, even if I didn't say it. This booklet is actually extra special to me because when I opened it and I was reading through it, and it is a great little booklet, I got to the centre page and it says on it, Nancy Wu's story. And Paul and Nancy Wu were part of our church in Christchurch. In fact, Paul was one of the elders in the church in Christchurch. And Paul was tragically killed in the earthquake. He was in the CTV building. And so they write there a little bit of Nancy's story, which made it extra special for, for me. He was a very good friend. Is a very good friend. He's just not on planet Earth anymore. It's a good day. Can I just say one other thing while I'm thinking about things to say? When you leave this morning, there's a board in the foyer with things you can do, like to help us make the gatherings run smoothly. Can you sign up? Can you put your name on something as you go? If you're visiting, don't worry, not talking to you right now. But, but if, if this is home, this is like just helping out with the family stuff to make sure things go well. You know, when I, uh, at home, I do things. I do to make the home run well. And uh, so when you do, it's really easy. When you walk out the door, you just get the pen. In your left hand if you're left-handed, in your right hand if you're right-handed, and you write legibly which would be a challenge for some of us more than others, you write legibly your name in one of those areas where you would like to help out and someone will be in touch with you. You can do that, eh? You can do that, eh? <laughs> Come on! Flip, the enthusiasm is just overwhelming. You can do that. Ephesians chapter 4. We carry on in the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 4. Let me read to you the first 16 verses and then we will carry on from there. Therefore, I, that would be Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. We've talked about that a few times. You have been called by God. Full stop. Not a question mark. You have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. 
because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. You could think on that for a month and you'll still be thinking. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Really, what it's saying there is, I gave you the list at the start of what, you know, humble, gentle, patient, loving, of what a mature Christian looks like. He says, basically, you haven't got a show on your own. I'm going to give you a gift of people, of leaders, to help you attain what I've called you to attain. There will no longer, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Father, I ask that you would give us revelation of what your scripture is saying this morning. I ask that we wouldn't only have revelation of what your scripture is saying, but through reading the scripture today, it would give us greater revelation of who you are. It would allow us to, to um, walk deeper into our relationship with you. And that, Father, the lights will go on in some way, shape, or form because you are infinitely inexhaustible. And we desperately need to see another side of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So these are known as the Ascension Ministries, these five gifts. We call them the fivefold or the ascension gifts, the ascension ministries. And these gifts that Paul is talking about here are people that Christ has given to the church. They are people that Christ has given to the church. They are leadership gifts that Christ has given to the church. And he's given them for the purpose of maturity of the church and to equip the church, the church, and also the church individuals to equip the church to do the work that God has called you to do. Because you have been called by God. He started off at the start of the passage. You have been called by God. God graciously 
says, look, I'm going to help you fulfill by I'm going to give people gifts, leadership gifts to the church to help you attain what I've called you to, to help you come to maturity. Now, I guess that's where it gets a little bit tricky, isn't it? Because we've probably all heard of or know of leaders who have controlled and exploited. So straight away you can go, oh, leadership gifts, hold back a bit. We're not going to do a, a, a message this morning about leadership per se. But we've all known people that, and not just leaders, in every, every area of life have taken advantage and exploited the circumstance or tried to control the, the circumstance but can I tell you this morning that a good leader, God has given the gifts to the church, the gifts of leadership, the ascension ministry, a good leader will protect, strengthen, and release. That's God's desire. A good leader will strengthen, release, and protect. They will empower toward maturity. That's what leaders do. That's what God's intention is, despite what your experience may be. Ultimately, of course, the accountability for any leader is before God. And it tells us in the scripture that actually he sets the bar a little higher for leaders, which is a scary thought. Ultimately, our accountability is before God, but if you belong to a church that is part of a good movement or a good denomination, Part of what those movements and denominations will do will be to set up a great accountability structure to ensure that leaders are looking after people well. And our ex-churches that we belong to, it actually has a great structure for accountability, for leadership. You know, I, if, if I went off the deep end, uh, let me say I would not be here very long. It's a great system of accountability they would come in and they would make some changes. Let me read to you again the middle part of that, and I want to read it from the Passion, I just, uh, the Passion Translation. I love the way that it puts it. I'm reading from verse 11. It says, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of being one with the Son of God and finally become one perfect man in the full dimensions of the spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies that sound like the truth only to pull us into their flock but instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow. I love this. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. I love that. Part of maturity is purpose. 
And part of purpose, well, actually, our purpose is relationship with him, and then everything will flow from that. That's, if you can get hold of that today, you've done well. So, look, I've got a couple of purposes this morning. I simply want to do this. I want to point you toward the Father. It's him that gives the gifts. It's his idea. It's his deal. It's his, the Ascension Ministries are his provision for the church. There's some argument in some circles that uh, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, that was, you know, back when the church was birthed, but not for today. But I think if you read the scripture, I'm not going to go into it now, but if you read the scripture, it very, very, very clearly says that apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists will be with us until such time that we are the fullness of Christ, which we haven't quite attained yet. So, my other, um, my other purpose this morning is to increase your understanding of the way God works. Let me read this for you. Danny Silk wrote a book called The Culture, uh, Culture of Honor. And he, uh, to help us understand the function of the gifts, he, do, he does it like this. I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's a brief explanation and it is limited. Like most explanations, it, it touches on the surface, gives you some insights. It probably doesn't know, go as far as it needs to, but for our purpose today, here, it's good. He says, I think I can best introduce the attributes of the fivefold gifts by describing what might happen if they all arrive together at the scene of a car accident. The pastor. The pastor is the first one out of the car. He scrambles to assess the situation and begins a triage approach in applying first aid to the injured victims. He gathers blankets, jackets, water, and anything else he can find to try and comfort them. He surveys the situation to see if anything is threatening the safety both of those who are receiving care and those who have been drawn to the scene of the accident. He talks with each person to find out his or her name marital status, and whether he or she has children. He gathers vital sign information and any available emergency contact information in order to help the emergency response team as they arrive. He brings a sense of calm to the situation, and each person there feels a genuine feeling of care and connection to the pastor. He wonders whether he should have been a doctor. It's the pastor. The teacher. The teacher is the next on the scene. He studies the situation in order to figure out what caused the accident. He steps back, notices the patterns of the skid marks and the distance each car moved before and after the impact, and estimates the speed of each car at the point of impact. During, uh, drawing from his deep knowledge of the driver's manual and traffic laws, he develops a theory about who was at fault. His conclusion is that overall, Drivers need more training and would most likely benefit from mandatory classes and continuing educational requirements. The evangelist. The evangelist arrives on the scene and asks everyone lying and asks everyone lying in a safe, comfortable place, thanks to the pastor, if you were to die as a result of your injuries, do you know where you'd go? Heaven or hell? He then notices that there is a large gathering of bystanders and people in their cars who have pulled over to watch. He begins to address the larger crowd with the same question. There are no guarantees 
that you will make it home safely. Boy, that sounds familiar. Do you know where you would go? People have their hearts, sorry, people give their hearts to the Lord right there on the side of the road. He explains to all the new believers that the greatest gift you can ever give to someone else is a gift of salvation. He trains them to lead others to Christ and prays for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Afterward, he says, this was great and decides to go purchase a police scanner when he gets back to town. <laughs> the prophet. The prophet knew this was going to happen because he had a dream about it the previous night. Because everyone in the dream had survived the accident, he rebukes the spirit of death and declares with great faith and unction that all shall live and none shall die. He also proclaims that there are angels surrounding the scene of the accident and prays that the eyes of all the people's hearts will be opened to see in the spirit. Then he walks around and starts to call the destiny out of various people. He releases the spirit of revelation within the group and finally and quite naturally he begins to ask around to find out who is in charge at the scene. When he discovers the one in charge, he discerns whether this is God's chosen leader or not, or if he finds that no one is in charge, he will appoint a leader. The Apostle. The Apostle prays for the injured. He invites a supernatural healing touch of God into the scene. He begins to tell testimonies of when he has been on the scene of car accidents and witnessed the power of God manifest itself in those situations. The faith level of the people begins to rise. He then asks if anyone can feel heat in his or her hands. He puts those who raise their hands to work, praying for others to be healed. He demonstrates to all who are near that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He then opens a school for those who arrive at the car accident scene and sends them off all over the world to do signs and wonders. That's his explanation. Do not forget, I feel to remind you that the ascension gifts, the ascension ministries are God's means to an end. They are God's means to an end and they are not an office to be elevated. We can look around the world and we can see where the office has been elevated and then control and power and different issues come in. They're not an office to be elevated. They're not something for you to chase after. They're not something for you to say, boy, I'd love a career doing that. They're a gift from God, and they're a means to God's end. They're not to be a focus of our ambition. My preferred illustration or way of explaining them, and again, it doesn't go quite far enough, but probably goes further than the paragraph I just read, and others of you will grasp this, is the hand illustration. And the hand illustration is great. Hold up your hand, your left hand. Got your left hand up. Left hand works good. Turn the palm facing you. Grab your thumb. Repeat after me. This little piggy went to the market. <laughs> I just remembered that when I was getting ready for this. I used to sit on my grandmother's knee and she used to do that. Anyway, this one. Apostle, thumb, 
hold your thumb. Apostle, hold the next finger in. Prophet, just looking at my notes to make sure I get the, the order right. Third one, evangelist. Fourth one, pastor. Fifth one, teacher. Teacher. The apostle. Let me explain them like this and then I'll just go slightly deeper for you. Again, it's in part. The apostle was given a role of governing in the kingdom of God, but not only governing, but extending kingdom impact and also reclaiming kingdom ground that's been stolen away. That is really, as concisely as I can put it, the role of an apostle. The prophet, their role is guiding. I've written there, surveying the kingdom. When I think of a prophet, I almost think of a a surveyor in the natural who's putting out pegs and boundaries marks and looking ahead and saying, you know, this is where it goes. This is what it looks like. And, And if we're walking down the path and we're off course, they call out and go, no, no, the pegs to the left, the pegs to the left. So they guide. The evangelist gathers. You'll notice I've done five Gs so that you can remember, plus a thought. So the apostle governs, the prophet guides, the evangelist gathers. Their job is gathering. I've written there, they're like the marketing department of the kingdom. They kind of gather people, make people aware of that. The thing is, you, you probably all know people who would say, look, I'm an evangelist, and they see lots of people come to Christ. That's not necessarily an Ascension Ministry evangelist. The mark of an Ascension Ministry is that wherever they operate, and they're for the purpose of extending the kingdom and building God's church through to maturity, wherever the evangelist operates, they would leave a spirit of evangelism behind them. That's how you know you've been in the presence of a genuine Ascension evangelist. A genuine Ascension Ministry prophet, when they leave, they leave a spirit of prophecy. In other words, it, it the, the spirit of prophecy and the benefit of the prophet is not just there when they are in your presence. They leave that. And it actually moves the church forward. That makes it clear. The pastor. Guarding. Pastors are leadership. When people think pastor, they think the carers. But if you think of a shepherd of a flock of sheep, the shepherd is the leader. Pastors lead. Pastors is a very significant leadership gift, and part of that leadership gift is caring for the people, caring for the kingdom. And finally, teaching. That's about grounding, empowering people to thrive in the kingdom. So five Gs, if that makes it easier, governing, guiding, gathering, guarding, grounding. But it works with your hand, why it works with your hand is because each gift is unique. This is what Timothy K. Williams says about the hand illustration, and 
he probably says it as good as anyone. He says the thumb, providing strength and holding the other fingers together, represents the apostle who provides leadership and is able to work with all the other gifts and hold them together. The thumb, the apostle, is actually the only one of them that can step into all of them if required. It's like the hand. Try and touch two fingers together, it doesn't work. The apostle actually has the ability to step into all of the gifts if required, although that's not their primary function, and also to work with all of the gifts, to bring the best out of all of the gifts. So the apostle is unique in that way. The pointer finger, the finger we use to point for direction and emphasis, represents the prophet who points us to God's will and God's purpose. The middle finger, the longest finger, represents the evangelist who reaches outside the church into the world. The ring finger, which I can't hold up by itself because I'm not that clever. The ring finger, we use to wear a ring that signifies a relationship represents the pastor who is a relationship orientate who is relationship orientated and desires to care for the people's needs. The small finger, the finger that provides a base support, sorry, a base of support for balance and a foundation so that nothing can slip out of the grip, represents the teacher who brings balance to the church through the word of God and does not allow truth to slip out. Quite good, eh? The hand hand. It's great. So, what is the purpose of the five-fold ministry? Their purpose is the maturity of the church. Very simple. Just back it up to that. Their gift is, their purpose is the maturity of the church. And what does the maturity of the church look like? It said in the scripture there, it looks like its directions and its ministry are flowing from Christ leading us to deeper relationship in Him. What's maturity look like? That our direction and our ministry is flowing from Christ, leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So at the end of the day, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, what are they about? They're about relationship. You boil it right back. God has given gifts to assist you and those he's called you to to greater relationship with him. That's what it's all about. I like to think of it and growing in maturity in the relationship. I like to think, and I've been pondering about it a lot lately, that my relationship with God in some way, shape, or form should reflect a great marriage. That's a picture God uses. And I've been thinking about Jan's and my relationship, and we're going to be married um, in a few weeks' time. We would have been married 24 years. And so we're getting there. And, um, and I think about our relationship now as opposed to when we first met. And as you mature in a relationship, the dynamics do change. They do change. You know, I think when you're young in a relationship, particularly if you're broke, you want to prove yourself, you sort of think, oh, I don't have to prove myself anymore. I know Jan loves me. I can just be me. I don't have to try and make out that I'm something I'm not or 
that I want to be even. I just know Jan loves me. I know God loves me. I don't have to prove myself to God. In fact, I can spend my whole life proving myself to God and I'm going to come up short. He loves me because he loves me. I'm in relationship because he paid the price for me. And you know, as I get older, I'm learning to really settle in that. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I can't do. It's about that he first loved me and my response is to love him. And I just love him. You know when you're first married, you talk a lot. Well, we did. I did. Driving along, always yakking about something. And then as you get further down the track, you learn just to be with one another. You don't have to talk all the time. You know when you, it's an immature relationship, like maybe it's a friend, you've just met them, and you're just starting a journey with someone, and there's that awkward silence. It's like, Phew. But if you've been married for 24 years, we can sit together for an hour and say nothing. There's nothing awkward about it. Nothing whatsoever. We're just being. And I think, well, I know, that God wants to draw us into this type of relationship with him, a mature relationship that doesn't strive, a mature relationship that knows him. I will ask Jan a question. I don't take her answer for granted, but 90% of the time I know what she's going to say before I ask the question. With God, as we get to know him, 90% of the time you'll know what he's going to say before he answers. But ask him anyway, because that's what a mature relationship looks like. <clears throat> Can I ask you two questions as we finish? How's your relationship with the Father? How is your relationship with the Father? Because first and foremost, He has gone out of His way to create a body called the church, which we are part of. He's gone out of his way to equip the church with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints, to lead the saints, that's all of us, to maturity. What's maturity look like? It looks like outworking the call of God, the direction of God flowing from God through us to the world via relationship. So if you back the train right up, the most important question I can ask you this morning is how's your relationship with the Father? Because that's the key issue. That's what everything flows out of. That's where everything comes from. That's really where our understanding of call comes from. That's how our understanding of missions come from. That's where the revelation of who I am as a son or daughter of God comes from. How's your relationship with the Father? And I'd add to that question and say something for you to think about as you go home. What does maturity look like for you? Does it look like doing, becoming, or being in relation to God? How are you doing with the Father? And what does maturity look like for you? Does it look like doing, becoming, or being? There may be more than one right answer. Father, I...
I thank you that you've put everything in place that we need to thrive in you Father I thank you that you knew what we need and know what we need before we know what we need and you've said I'm going to equip my church to thrive And so, Father, this morning I ask that there would be a revelation of your love primarily. That you'd draw us deeper into relationship with you. That, Father, as we walk out the doors this morning into our week, this week, we're not going to walk out with a to-do list to do for you, but rather we will walk out with a great sense of thanksgiving of, oh, my goodness. Look what you've provided for us to thrive in you. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would unblock ears to hear what you're saying. That you would remove the veil from from eyes so that we can see what you're saying and see what you're doing. That every religious spirit that would try to deafen us or blind us to the truth, to the incredible love, to the liberty that's found in our Father would be banished in the name of Jesus Christ. And that a revelation of love would come in this place. Father, our desire is to flow in your direction and to go deeper in relationship with you. What an incredible opportunity that you invite us to go deeper in relationship with you, the creator of the universe. It's mind-blowing. Thank you. Thank you. I was at Elsie's funeral this week. Pastor Ray did it. He did a fantastic job of leading the the funeral service. And Katie, one of Elsie's granddaughters, got up and reminded us all of the question I often ask, which was interesting, at a funeral. She asked this question to everyone who was at the funeral, which is the same question I ask us quite often. If you didn't make it home today, Where would you go? Heaven, hell? Don't know. Three answers. If you didn't make it home today, for whatever reason, what would your eternity look like? Heaven? Would it look like hell? Would it look like don't know? There's only one right answer in that equation. And you could say now, you could say, well, that's a pretty religious question or flip that that, that put, question puts me under a lot of pressure or you know you're asking a scary, a scary question now what are you trying to do scare me into a response no none of those none of them whatsoever because it's a question of relationship and if you can answer the question confidently it is a sign that you have relationship with the father but if you don't know 
And if you're going, I can't say heaven, that's a really, really scary place to find yourself because this life is just for a moment, but eternity is eternity. And the answer to the question is relationship. Relationship with the Father. The only way to have relationship with the Father is through Jesus Christ. It's why he came. It's why he died on a cross. It's why he was raised victorious over death. So that through him, who forgives all of our sin, our, mis, our, our misdeeds, where we've missed the mark, he, he removes all of that. Once that's removed, we're free to have relationship with the Father. And my prayer this morning is that you're saying, what's going to happen if I don't make it home today? Heaven. Heaven. But if you're not, if you're I don't know, or I might be going to hell, the way out of that situation is relationship through Jesus Christ with the Father. Can I ask you to bow your heads for a moment because I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And like I said, this isn't a scary, uh, this isn't a pressure question. It is a scary question, but actually it is a relationship question. And I do an injustice if I don't put the question before you because you're incredibly valuable in God's sight. He says in the scripture, he desires that no one would perish. In other words, he desires that every person would come into relationship with him. We come into relationship by saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I thank you that you went to a cross for me and made way for me to have relationship with the Father. I'm going to ask you to hold up your hand in just a moment. If you're not sure whether you're in relationship with God, if you've never stepped into a relationship with God and today you're going, you know, I need to. If that's you, I'm going to get you to hold your hand up just in a moment while every other person's got their eyes closed, their heads bowed. Because God wants to live in relationship with you. I promise you an easy life as soon as you came into relationship with God, but to be honest, that's not the truth. The truth is life is life with its ups and downs. But what an incredible joy it is to walk up with the creator of the universe, knowing that there's more than this. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, and I just ask that you hold your hand till I see it, because I want to just recognize you today. If you're here this morning, you know that things aren't where they need to be. You may have been in relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have walked, stepped back for whatever reason. But today you're stepping up saying, Father, I desire a relationship with you and I know it comes through Jesus Christ. If that's you, you want to lift your hand this morning, please? Make sure I see it. Thank you. I see your hand. That is awesome. Fantastic. I've seen one person lift their hand so far. Is there anybody else this morning? This is the greatest decision. An invitation to journey with the Creator. I'm only going to wait a couple more seconds. I really sense in 
my heart this morning, there's at least two more people that need to respond now. And I think this is such an important thing. I'm just going to wait a couple of moments for you. Church, can we please give the person that responded this morning the biggest hand? The Bible tells us that the angels are celebrating. My interpretation is heaven just threw a party in your honor. That's fantastic. Why don't you jump up on your feet quickly? Let me pray. I pray that God has brought revelation to you around that whole scripture this morning. Father, I pray that the fruit of that revelation today would be relationship would be confidence in relationship in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that the fruit of revelation of the way you set things up for us to thrive would be that wherever we are and whenever we're there, we would be like Jesus. You said that every single one of us is called. And this morning, if we don't understand what that means for us and the work that you have for us to do, I ask that you would draw us in our relationship to ask the right questions. You would also draw us into the Scriptures and that we would allow the Scripture to speak. And Father, that we would not be passive in any way, shape or form, but we would get on the journey with you. We would get active with you not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because we have to, but because you first loved us. Not because we have to, but because we love you. So Father, I ask that revelation would settle in every person's heart, that seeds of revelation would settle in every person's heart. In Jesus' name, your kingdom would be extended. You would be made famous. You would be glorified. Your church and every person represented there would flourish in Jesus name Amen Amen Let's give Sheridan and God a hand Well you may go and have a wonderful, wonderful day just before you go let me remind you Uh, to be purposed in our giving. And I thank you, church, for giving. We cannot do church or touch our community or our city or all the nations or our nation without our giving. So thank you, God. I declare your blessing upon the givers. May you pour out your blessing upon every home represented, God. I thank you that you bless us, that we may be a blessing. And I declare blessing upon our city and our nation and the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do, uh, being purpose now giving, the giving stations are on your left as you exit the auditorium, both doors. If you do want to give by cash, then you can do that by, there's an envelope there that you can pop that into and into the giving station. Pastor Rex is speaking tonight, 6pm. Who said it was for young people? Come on, Pastor Rex and I, am, I'm going to be there. So 6 p.m. tonight, it's going to be fantastic. 
Also, take-home question is, what is prayer? Take-home question for kids and for youth and for intermediates, what is prayer? So if the kids say to you, what is prayer? Don't say, go and ask your mother, go and ask your father. Have a discussion about relationship with God. Sign up on the board in the foyer. Have an amazing day. God bless.